All right, welcome everyone. We're uh, gonna get started this evening. Um, I just wanna welcome everyone here, welcome those watching online. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here. Um, and uh, very thankful that each of you are here. I'm excited for what we have in store tonight. Um, we have this beautiful weather outside now. I know that we're starting to hit that nice fall season when my wife makes chili, and that's what we had for dinner tonight. So, <laughs> um, and speaking of which, we have a chili cook-off coming up. We we have a, we have a lot of exciting things coming up, actually. Um, if you guys haven't heard in the announcements. Um, well, this Sunday, we have a fun youth event, um, which uh, is not for everyone here, but <laughs> um, we're, we're doing a fun uh, country hoedown, um, and it's, it's going to be a blast, uh, a, a fun fall party. And then uh, the week after that, we have the Hatfield Family Fun Day um, that the Hatfields are having at their house, which is going to be a blast. And then the week after that, we have the Chili Cook-Off. So... We're loaded with lots of um, great opportunities for fellowship, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for all that we have. Um, well, let's get started tonight. We are currently in a series on how to study the Bible. Um, this is the last week, and next week we are going to jump back into a book of the Bible, and the book of the Bible that we're going to study is the book of Hebrews. So, uh, Scott is going to kick us off next week with the book of Hebrews. Um, I love that book, and I think it's going to be a great study. And I, as I was reading over the book as a whole, I thought, you can't come away from this book and not have a greater love for Jesus. Uh, the whole thing is about how Jesus is literally better than everything else. Um, and so uh, it, it's going to be a wonderful study. It's a pretty hard book to go through, but I think that makes it a great book for this Bible study because we get to go through it together line by line and um, dig deeper into it. So that's going to be exciting. Um, I actually brought, I don't know if, uh, if anyone is interested. We have these on Sunday, but I actually had these at home, but these are the scripture journals. And I know that looks like many of you have notes and everything here. Um, but if anyone is interested in this, I think we could probably order some um, and, and have them here. The, the women's one is actually really beautiful. I won't say women's. If, if you're a guy and you want it, you can have it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it has like this throne on it and has um, beautiful green color. But anyway, um, that's going to be a wonderful study that we're going to start next week. But back to tonight on how to study the Bible. Last week, we began this series, and we talked last week all about why we ought to study the Bible. And the why is so important that we wanted to take a whole week to focus on it, because the why behind something is what drives us. It's what motivates us. It's what pushes us towards something. And so we talked about two primary reasons to study the Bible. The first is that God wants us to. We talked about the fact that uh, God does not command us to have a 30-minute quiet time each day where we're checking a box on a Bible reading plan. It might look like that, and that's fine. But he actually presses us much further. He wants us to meditate on his word, to have his word dwell in us, for it to be the foundation of our lives. And then the second reason that we talked about is that studying the Bible deepens our communion with God our relationship with him, our fellowship with him. Uh, the greatest commandment is for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And to be able to love God, we have to know God. And the way that we know him in the fullest way he has revealed is through his word. And so studying the Bible allows us to grow deeper in our knowledge and our love of Jesus. Um, we also talked about the fact that reading the Bible, studying the Bible does not make you a better, um, uh, uh, does not give you a better standing before God. It doesn't make you, God love you more. Our position in Christ is secure because of what Jesus has done for us. 
But our experience in our relationship with God fluctuates as we live this life. And one of the ways that we can deepen that experience is by studying God's word. So tonight we move from the why to the how. And this might be a lot of information. We're going to do something different tonight. Um, I have this projector down and we're going to try this out and hopefully it works. Um, But it's going to be a lot of different info. And so I'd encourage you, if you have something to write down, uh, please write down some notes so you can refer back to what we look at tonight. And even saying that there's going to be a lot of info, we're really just brushing the surface here. This could be a much longer class, but we've uh, consolidated it to two weeks. But really, I have so much more to learn and to grow in how to study the Bible, and all of you have so much more to learn and to grow in how to study the Bible. And so really, we're just brushing the surface here. That being said, if as we're going throughout, you have a question, you can just raise your hand, and that allows me to finish my flow of thought, and then I can call on you. And uh, you can ask your question, and then I can ask Scott to answer your question for you. So, (laughs) no, in all seriousness, I, I might not know the answer, but please ask your questions if you have them. Um, because uh, I'd like to try, and we can have good dialogue together. So let me give you a roadmap of what we're going to do tonight. Tonight we are going to look at the inductive Bible study method. This is a simple three-step method for how to study the Bible. It is a sound biblical method. Uh, It's a very common method, and uh, I, I think it will be very helpful. And then after we've gone through those three steps, uh, I want to take a couple minutes at the end and hit the other questions. Uh, Let me explain it this way. If our topic is studying the Bible, we've covered the why. We're now covering the how. I want to take just a couple minutes at the end to cover the who, the what, the where, and the when. Just round it out. (laughs) So um, we'll finish with that, um, and that's how the night will go. Uh, But let's begin with prayer. And before I pray, I just want to press you, and I would even write this down, to always begin and end your personal Bible study with prayer. Always begin and end your personal Bible study with prayer, because if all we do is study the Bible, but we do not pray, we will gain knowledge in our heads, we might grow smarter but we do not deepen our communion with God until we we speak back to him. And one of the most beautiful things about starting Bible study is that we get to ask the author for help in understanding what he has written. So let's uh, begin with prayer. Psalm 119 verse 18 says this, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Father God, Open our eyes. Allow us to see that we may behold, we may see, we may know wondrous things about your character, your nature, your attributes, your works out of your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, please open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. You can look on the screen if you'd like, but it'd be great if you opened your Bible as well. As we walk through these steps, I want to kind of not just teach the step, but show it. And so that's why I have this up here. And uh, I want to look at this passage together. So let me, let me go ahead and read the passage for us before we get started. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. All right, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at it together. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with step one. Now, step one in our process, see if this works. Um, step one in our process here, I'm going to call um, details. So typically, this st step is called observation, but I like my word better. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to call it details because I think it's a little more uh, self-explanatory. Step one is all about finding the details in the passage. And I cannot express how important it is to start here. We do not want to start with studying the Bible by opening up our study Bibles and looking straight at the notes. We do not want to start by studying the Bible by thinking about how this passage relates to uh, that time that we lost our cat. We want to start by getting a grip on the passage ourselves. We want to make sure we're not just looking at somebody else's words on this, but really applying our own minds to it, looking at it ourselves. Now, the first thing that we want to know about details, um, and I'll give you a few points on, on each of these, is that these details will often be obvious. And that is okay. It will feel a little bit funny at first, writing down some of the most obvious details, but it really helps. Um, it really begins to open up the Bible for us. So I'll give you a real quick example. Um, let's see if we go back here. Okay, so this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Now, um, if I'm starting off with my details, one detail, I, I, I might read verse 1, and I might say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. A detail I might notice is that Paul is an apostle. <laughs> and if you've been in church for any amount of time, you might go, yeah, <laughs> obvious. I've known that for years and years and years. But what happens when we note these details is that it begins to kind of open up our mind to what's really in front of us. So, for instance, I might say Paul's an apostle. But then I might think, do I know what an apostle is? How does one define an apostle? When people say that they're an apostle today, is that legitimate or not? Could I really put words to what an apostle is? And that might lead me deeper and deeper into looking at other passages with other apostles and, and doing deeper, deeper research and Bible study. So really, something so incredibly obvious begins to just open the door to more. And so that's what we're doing with this, this phase of details. We're, we're, we're opening the door. We're digging deeper and looking um, further at our passage of Scripture. So... Um, one other thing I want to say on this one um, is that, well, two other things. Um, one, I would recommend when studying the Bible, a great practice is to always have something that you uh, can write with in a notebook or a notepad, um, because I think something about writing it out is very, very helpful. Uh, the last thing I want to say on this is that those questions that we even talked about with this topic um, so the questions of um, who, 
what, uh, where, when, why, you could throw how in there too. These are great questions for this stage. So let's, let's look together. Um, hopefully this will make more sense as we go. So uh, we have our passage of scripture in front of us, Matthew chapter 8, 5 to 13. I'm not going to write out every detail for sake of time, but just talk through it. So I might begin reading. When he had entered Capernaum, well, Jesus is in Capernaum. It's an important detail. He's speaking to a centurion. I might ask, what's that? Um, some of you may know already, but it's a good question to ask. Uh, he appeals to him and says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed. So his servant is paralyzed at home. And he's suffering terribly. This is something I just thought about as I was looking over this passage. Um, I have no way to relate to what it's like to be paralyzed. But I didn't think about the fact that being paralyzed is a continual suffering and a terrible suffering. Um, not just in the fact that you can't move, but in the pain you experience. Um, he said to him, I will come and heal him. So very interesting. A detail I might notice is that Jesus is very willing to come and to heal this man. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So a great detail in this passage is the centurion does not feel he's worthy to have Jesus come under his roof. You might ask, why? But only say the word and my servant will be healed. Another great detail. The centurion believes that by Jesus speaking, his servant can be healed. Let me do just a couple more. Uh, for I too am a man under authority. So, Interesting. He, uh, a couple more details here. The centurion believes uh, Jesus and himself both have a kind of authority. Right? He says, go, come, do this, and people follow him. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. This is a great detail. How many times do you read that Jesus marveled? Right? Honestly, I would, I would have to go look. I don't know that it says this anywhere else. Uh, it may. I, I don't know. But why did Jesus marvel? What, what made him marvel? And he said to those who truly follow him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So he's marveling at his faith. I tell you, many will come east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we have a contrast here between the kingdom of heaven and the outer darkness. Um, what else do we have here? I, I, I mean, for me, this term, the sons of the kingdom, what does that mean? And then lastly, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. So we see there's this connection with his faith, what he's believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. I love that detail. He was healed at that very moment. So the, this is the step of details, right? All I'm doing is walking verse by verse and uh, just really trying to see what's there. Um, many of these things are obvious, and yet even just taking the time to do this, it just begins to unfold this passage of Scripture for us. So the first step is details. The second step is, let me go back here, step two, thank you all for bearing with my bad writing. The second step is meaning. Now, typically this step is called interpretation, but that's also a big word, so I like my word better. So um, step two, we're going to call meaning. And 
there really is a lot that we could say here. But what we're doing in this step is we're looking closely at the details. We've already done that. Now we're trying to figure out what does this passage mean or why was it written? What was the purpose of it? And the main thing that we want to do with this step, again, this step is probably the step that we could say the most about. It probably tends to be the hardest step. Details are typically pretty obvious uh, for us to see, and it just, details takes work, right? But, but they're pretty obvious for us to see. Um, application, which is the last step, or thinking about how it applies to us, is uh, typically not too hard for us to, to, once we've got the meaning, think about how it applies to our lives in different ways. Oh, that takes work too. But figuring out what the Bible means is often the toughest. Um, and so there's a lot we could say here. I'm just going to say one thing here. If we have time at the end, I might add another thing. And this is probably going to be kind of unsatisfactory, but just setting up your expectations. Um, but the main thing we want to do here is ask and answer questions. There's a lot I could say here. But I think if you do this, you will cover a lot of the things behind this step of finding the meaning. So asking and answering questions. So if we go back to our passage, um, we've already asked a bunch of questions as we've been going through the details. But now we want to really dial in. What, what are the big questions of this passage? Well, for me, I'm really curious why. Um, why he doesn't think he's worthy to have him come under his roof. Because, I mean, he comes to Jesus with his request, and Jesus says, okay, great, I'll come and I'll heal him. But then he says, no, 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 no. Why? Why wouldn't you just take Jesus up on that? So that's a, that's a big question for me. Why, why um, is he not worthy to have him come under his roof? I also want to ask a couple questions about authority. Like, maybe, what kind of authority does Jesus have? What kind of authority does the centurion have? Uh, how are they similar, and how are they different? Um, I have a question about, why does Jesus say no one in Israel, God's chosen people, has he seen this kind of faith? That's big. Um, and then, I mean, why did Jesus marvel? That's, that's a great question because, I mean, why did he marvel at this kind of faith? So what we want to do first is ask the questions, but then we want to answer them, or we want to try to answer them. And we want to do, um, I want to encourage you to do three things here. How do we want to do this? Let's do it this way. Um, I want to encourage you to do three things here. The first is I want you to try to use your oh, teaser, your what? Um, I want you to try to use your brain. <laughs> now, this, <laughs> this sounds funny, but I cannot tell you the great benefit of trying to answer the questions that you've asked, which sounds funny because you're like, I asked the question, that means I don't know the answer. But by simply trying to answer the question, I think you'll be amazed at how often you get pretty close or you're right on. There's, there's been times when I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm just gonna try to try to, like, what do I think? What's my best shot based on what I've read? And, then I'll do some research after, I'll open up my study Bible, and it will say what I just wrote. And that's a wonderful discovery. You've discovered it yourself. Um, uh, I heard somebody say this a long time ago, um, in talking about the great commandment, that part of the great commandment is that we love God with our own minds. Not just, you know, our pastor's mind, <laughs> and hearing what how he's dwelled on these things, but that we love them with our own mind. You know, we engage our own mind with um, the Lord and with his word. So um, 
actually, let me, let me go through these first, and then I'll come back to this. Um, so the first one would be your brain. Um, the second one would be trusted sources. So um, what we shouldn't do is just assume that if we Google the question that we have, we will get the right answer. Um, we want to go to trusted sources. We want to go to solid study Bibles or solid commentaries. And I think one of the uh, best ways to find out what are solid resources are really just asking um, the pastors or asking uh, uh, staff at the church. Because we've, we've taken a lot of time to think about these things. Um, and many of you know these sources on your own, of course. But if you're having trouble with it, um, that would be a great, great people to go to, would be um, some of the elders. And then lastly, um, I would say other people. Uh, there's something really rich when we go to somebody else and we say, hey, I've been looking at this passage of Scripture. What do you think about it? I've been wrestling it. What, what do you think? Creates a, a great sense of fellowship that we're bonding over God's Word together, but it's also really helpful because they might have an insight that you didn't have. In fact, I, was, uh, <laughs> I, I met with a, a 10-year-old boy who had a bunch of questions, uh, just started coming to our church, um, and he had great questions about the Bible, and I, I loved it. Um, and while we were sitting there, we were talking about one of his questions, and it was a question that I simply said, like, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. Then he shared his thought on the question, and I was like, I've never thought of that, and that is a great argument. That's that, <laughs> from this 10-year-old boy. And so we can all learn from each other. Um, in ways we wouldn't expect. And so uh, going to other people. Um, you know, simply uh, with this passage, I'm not going to try to answer all these questions. <laughs> let, me settle, let me settle your expectations again. We're not going to study this passage that in depth tonight. This is more just to show an example. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to try to answer this on my own, I might go, why is he not worthy? Maybe um, he feels like, um, he has sinned gravely. Maybe he simply has a humble attitude. Um, these are some of the things I might be trying to ask and answer myself. Um, and those were my thoughts when I first studied this passage. Uh, but then I read in, in um, uh, I believe it was the ESV study Bible, which is a solid study Bible, that... Um, it was a uh, custom for the Jews that if they went into the house of a Gentile, they became ceremonially unclean. And so that really opens up this passage uh, because now we see that even though this centurion is a Gentile, he is very respectful of the Jewish customs and the Jewish law um, and has a great reverence for Jesus and who he is in that way. Um, and so, you know, it just adds to what's going on here. Um, this question about authority, we'll get into this more, but I mean, we can see that when they, uh, I'm not gonna write this all, but when they speak a word, maybe I'll say it simply like this, uh, things happen. <laughs> when they speak, things happen, right? For him, um, when he commands somebody, he says, go, they go. When he says, come, they come. When he says, do this, they do it. Jesus is the same. And we might think about uh, how uh, their authority differs in this respect. Um, we might think about the fact, let's see, speak, speak word. We might think about the fact that um, this man's authority, the centurion's authority, is. Uh, dependent on others, while Jesus's is not. So again, we're just we're just digging in. We're 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 trying to answer these questions ourselves, but we're also going to trusted sources. We're also going to other people, and this really opens up the meaning of the passage for us. Um, let's move on now to our last step. Although I just want to take a 
take a second for you to recognize this wonderful orange and blue that we have on the screen here. Go Gators. Greg, Greg's not here, so I can do this. If Greg were here, I couldn't, but um, no. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, last step. He might be, yeah. He's in the comments like, no. Uh, let me do this. All right, last step, step number three. is me. <laughs> Again, typically this step is called application. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to call it something different. I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to call it your life. I like that a little better. So, typically this is called application. We're now thinking about how it applies to our lives. Yes. <laughs> Good catch. Let's change that. I like it. My life. All right. Um, really foundational passage for this is 2 Timothy 3, 16, and 17, which says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. So first, it establishes that every word of the Bible is, in fact, God's word. Even though men have written and spoken the Bible, all of it was under the inspiration of God. Second uh, Peter um, 1, verse 20 and 21 says uh, that as men spoke, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the author of every word in the Bible, but then it says, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may com be complete, equipped for every good work. And so, really amazing about this passage, a really amazing thing is that it says that all scripture is for our growth. There's no jot and tittle and period and detail here and there that is not purposeful. There's no facts just for the sake of facts. All of it is for our growth in Christ. And that's amazing. When we approach the Bible and we think about the fact, uh, others have often said it this way, the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. And to think about the fact that the Lord would use it in our lives in that way is pretty powerful. So what we want to think about in step number three is two things here. First, we want to think about audience. This is very important. What I mean by audience is I mean um, a little bit twofold, actually. Uh, so first, the audience would be who was this book written to? Um, who was this letter written to? Who is this book written to? Uh, whatever um, category in the Bible it might be. Um, and second, who is the audience within, within the story? Um, so, again, um, you know, we could find this in a good study Bible, but uh, you can read that and, and see in the details of Matthew, that Matthew is written primarily to the Jews. Now, um, for this passage, that, I think that's pretty meaningful. Because when we come down here and we see that Jesus says, truly I tell you with no one in Israel have I found such faith, that statement would have been a blow to the original readers. Like, whew, what Jesus? With no one in Israel? Why? You know, it, they would be questioning that. It would grab their attention for sure. Um, so we can think, the original audience that this was written to, but we can also think about the audience within the passage. So Jesus is speaking to the centurion. We also have a moment where Jesus speaks, uh, he said to those who followed him. He has a little side moment here where he speaks to those who followed him. And the reason that audience is so important is because 
I fear that we often, how to best say this? I fear that we often treat the Bible like it's almost like a magical book. So what, what I don't mean is, I mean the Bible is the inspired word of God. Um, that every word is from God. It is uh, living and active. It is like no other book. Uh, there's nothing like it in all the world. So hear me say that. But I also think that the Bible is a book. And God designed it to follow how our language works, how we write, how we, it, 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 it follows along with the, the, you know, the rules of grammar and all these things. And I think sometimes we can almost feel like it's not a book like that. And we can almost just take a phrase and just pick it out of context and feel like it's going to just work when no other book would work that way. Um, and so that's why I mean by magical. Like any, any part can just be picked and used in whatever way. Um, I, I don't believe the Bible is like that. I believe God wants us to use our mind, how we understand language, to understand the Bible. Um, and so audience is super important because I think it's very important for us when we're trying to apply God's word to be able to draw a uh, connection between that original audience and ourselves. So uh, I think this is one of the reasons that pastors love preaching Paul's epistles because application is pretty, uh, e pretty easy connection. Uh, Paul wrote to churches. <laughs> we are the church. <laughs> and so uh, it, there's a pretty easy connecting line there. That doesn't mean every single thing Paul wrote in there, if he says, you know, hi to somebody in one of the churches, if he says, say hello to this uh, woman in the church, um, you know, it doesn't mean that we have to follow that to the jot and tittle. We, we, um, we have, it's there for a reason, and so we can think about why it's there. But, uh, but in general, it's very easy to draw that connecting line. Also, in the Old Testament, we can think about Israel as God's people. Um, and if we see God interacting with his people in a certain way, uh, we can kind of draw that connection to us. But it's different um, because Israel is not us. The church is not Israel. They're not the exact same thing. Um, and so we have to be careful. Um, and we have to think very carefully about the audience it's written to. If, if uh, we're reading about a line that was spoken to a wicked king in the Old Testament, do we just apply that to ourselves? Well, no, we probably need to think very carefully about that. Maybe it's something that applies about all humanity, and then we could think about it, but if it's something specific to this wicked king, no, we'd, re we'd really need to think about that. And so we want to be able to, so again, in this passage, it's pretty easy. I mean, I think all of us here are Gentiles. I, I don't think anyone's a Jew, but, um, you know, we, we you know, Jesus is speaking to somebody who is placing his faith in him. A Gentile is placing his faith in him. He has this faith that he marvels at. He speaks about how this faith um, relates to the kingdom of heaven. And then he also has this aside to those who followed him. So again, if we follow Christ, there's an easy connection to make there. Again, it's more nuanced than that, but I think it's a helpful guideline to think about the audience when thinking about applying. The second thing um, that we want to think about is uh, principles. Principles. So we want to think about the principles that would have applied to that original audience that would still apply to us today. So, um, for instance, in this passage, you know, we might be able to say something. Don't judge me too harshly on this. I'm kind of making this up as I go. Not making it up in the sense it's, it's the Bible. But I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to write is what I mean. Um, so, you know, for instance, in this passage, we might say something like, you know, great faith, you know, um, so this man displays um, trusts in the authority 
of Jesus' word, or something like that. Uh, Maybe we could think about that and and think about trust in the authority of his word, um, like without seeing. I mean, this, this, uh, this man didn't have to see what Jesus was going to do. He just trusted that by Jesus speaking, it would happen. And so we might, we might draw a principle like that. Or we, we might draw a principle like um, Jesus is, uh, let me write this somewhere else. We might draw a principle like um, Jesus' word is dependent on no one. To, uh, to act, to uh, bring something about, unlike the centurion. And so these are, these are just some ways we might think about this. We're, we're looking for those principles that applied in the original context that also apply to our lives. Um, I hope this is helpful. The last thing I want to say about this, though, is that I think sometimes when we are looking at this, how we're going to apply the passage to ourselves, sometimes it's very obvious. Honor thy father and mother. Okay, great. I can think about that very concretely. Uh, what do I need to do to honor my parents uh, this week? Or... Um, uh, even, even a simple command as love one another can be applied in a variety of concrete ways. Bringing somebody a meal, uh, giving somebody a call who's hurting. Uh, oftentimes we have these very concrete ways that we can apply God's word to our life, and I think that's really good. I think it's really helpful. But I also think that sometimes we uh, can feel a pressure to get something tangible and, and, and concrete, but something that I'm passionate about is the fact that sometimes the best application is simply worship. Sometimes the best application is simply worship. The Bible is not a book about you. The Bible is not a book about me. The Bible is not a book about us. And uh, that might sound funny because I just said we're applying it to our lives, but we're not the main character in it. And I think everyone would agree with that statement. And yet so often when we approach the Bible, we think this is just a book. It's like we treat it like it's a book all about us. The Bible is a book all about the story of God. The Bible is God's self-disclosure of his character and his nature, his works, his gospel. Uh, the Bible is ultimately about his glory. And so if through our Bible study, we come to behold God's glory, to know him in a deeper way and to love him more, I think we've done a good job of application. And so even in this passage right here, like I love this at the end here, that at that very moment that Jesus spoke, the servant was healed. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was just wondering, like, how did the centurion know that? You know, and uh, now I'm in speculation. I don't know how he knew it. But I imagine that he would have gotten back and he would have heard, you know, maybe it was hours later and he would have heard that from the other servants, the, the servant has been healed. Uh, the one that was paralyzed is now walking. And he would have, you know, maybe said, well, what time? What, what time did this happen? say, oh, it's 3 p.m., and he would know. That's exactly when Jesus spoke. Exactly when he spoke, his word acted. His word was powerful. He didn't have to move. He didn't have to lift a hand. He didn't have to take a step. All he had to do was speak, and he healed. And if we come to the end of Bible study, Maybe we don't have a concrete step, but we have that. I think we've done well. Again, 
concrete steps are great. We should have those when we study the Bible. But what I want to say is we should also be willing to come to the Bible for the sake of worship. So hopefully this makes sense. If you have any questions, please ask Scott at the end. Um, <laughs> you know, this is, this is a little bit, you know, I, I obviously looked at this beforehand, but this is a little on the fly. This is a little, this is unpolished, so to speak. So hopefully it was helpful to just kind of walk through it. Um, I want to wrap up just briefly by talking about those last couple of questions. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. Yep. Like that? Great. Um, so I want to finish up by uh, just talking about the last couple of questions uh, that I began with. Because um, I, I, I just want to remind us of these things and, and just kind of finish up in a little bit of a practical way. So um, when we're thinking about study of the Bible, when we come to the question of who, well, obviously you, <laughs> obviously the Lord, but I think it's a great thing to study the Bible with others. Uh, I think that's something we should do more often. Um, it brings great accountability. It brings great encouragement. And I find a lot of joy in it. Um, what I like to do with this kind of method is... Um, whenever I'm studying with somebody else is, uh, in fact, uh, Brett and I are doing this right now in 1 Thessalonians. Um, uh, what I like to do is just, I mean, take time to catch up at the beginning, but then um, take time, maybe five or 10 minutes, and we just write details. Uh, we, we just take some time to jot those down um, and think about the passage before us. And then we just talk for the rest of the time. We talk about what questions we have. Um, to, to try to dig deeper into the meaning and, and what answers we can come up with. Maybe if it's something we know, we can pull out a study Bible in that moment and, and get some answers. That's great. Um, and then we talk through application and think about how it applies to our lives. So it's kind of it's kind of like a shrunk down version of this, but I find it so encouraging when I get to do that with somebody else. And so who? Um, I, would, I would encourage you to try this with others. Uh, what? Um, you got to have a plan for what to study. So, um, you know, I don't think it has to be complicated, but uh, I think it can be discouraging when we do the kind of whole blindfolded, uh, stick our finger in the Bible somewhere um, and open it up, uh, because it's just, it's just hard after a couple of days of that or, or trying that a couple of times. Um, we might open up to a random passage that we don't understand. And so as simple as it sounds, having a game plan of, um, I'm going to read this book of the Bible. And I know exactly where I left off the last time, and that's where I'm going to pick up next time is, is helpful. When. I think the when is so important. Um, I do this myself, and I think many times when we want to make a change in our lives or we want to do something more, I really want to work out more. Um, I think we often fail to neglect the intentional step of picking a time to do the thing. Uh, and so when thinking about studying the Bible, really simply, like, what time and what day are you going to do it? If we could just do that, it really, I think, increases our likelihood of, of sitting down and trying this. Um, and so I would, I would encourage, uh, if you've never studied the Bible before or if you're trying it for the first time, I'd encourage like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for 30 minutes, at least. Maybe in the morning, maybe it's a 7 a.m. to a 7.30, maybe it's an afternoon, like a 2 to 2.30. But just having that time, I think, is, is very helpful. And what I would do is, if I was uh, um, doing it that way, what I would do is I would take a passage, one passage for the week. On Monday, I would sit down and I would just do details. Tuesday, I would sit down, I mean, Wednesday, I would sit down and I would just do the meaning step and ask and answer questions. And then on Friday, I would just do application. And I think you'd really get to know that passage, and um, the Bible would really open up for you in that way. And then lastly, where? I think if you've got a time and a place, you've got to make sure it's a location where you're not going to be distracted, maybe somewhere quiet. Although if you're meeting with somebody else, 
Um, maybe you're meeting a coffee shop or something. But where is important too. In closing, I just want to remind us of why we do this again. Because we've gone over a lot of different practical things tonight. These practical things are good because we just we don't just default into digging deeper into God's word or hiding his word in our hearts, dwelling upon it, meditating upon it, living our lives by it. We don't, that's not where we go when we're on autopilot. And so we need intentional practical steps. But we can also get lost in the practical and forget why we're doing this. The whole reason we're doing this is so that we might know our Lord and Savior in a deeper and richer way. And that we might love him and further live our lives for his glory and his glory alone. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to us. And I pray for each and every person here. I pray that this was helpful and encouraging, not discouraging in any way. I pray really that you would cement that why into our minds that we are really doing this because we want to know you and we want to love you. And Lord, I even just thank you for this passage, how we see so many wonderful aspects about who you are, the authority and the power of your word, the authority your word carries, uh, the, the, um, the kind of faith that is great that Jesus would marvel at, uh, where we don't have to see, but we, we, we trust in what you've said. Um, and even just the power that at the very moment Jesus spoke, the man was healed. And so, God, I pray you'd encourage us with these truths tonight. I pray for every person here. I pray you'd encourage them as they endeavor to study your word, as they endeavor to meditate upon it, um, dive deeper into it, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide each of us in this. We love you and we pray this all in your great name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, next week, we actually study the Bible. So, <laughs> um, well, we did that tonight. But uh, next week, we di dive into Hebrews and we get to get back into the regular rhythm of Bible study. Thank you for uh, letting me do this. I really like this topic and um, I hope it was helpful in some way. Yes, if anyone wants a book, please, uh, a scripture journal, please let Deb know. Yep, yep. Awesome.